time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, here we go. Scoops with Danny Mac, and this is the Tuesday edition. It's kind of dreary outside. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Welcome into the show. It's dreary, so we need to be uplifting. That's right. This weather sucks. Well, that's one way to put it, Scotty. You're, you're blunt. You're to the point. Um, and I am in agreement. Six five seven eight zero six five seven eight zero. If you want to jump into the show, we'd love to have you. Adam Wainwright is going to join us on the program, and uh, love to visit with Adam and get his thoughts on pending free agency, what's going on with big league impact, and a review of the 2020 season. So, big number fifty will be my guest, and it's always great to catch up with Adam, one of the uh, great people in our community, and uh, what a season he had. I, I looked at his season and thought. You know, if he's not the MVP, he is a co-MVP. It just seemed like whenever they needed a big start this year, it was Adam Wainwright. After the the shutdown of the season for the Cardinals, a couple of times, Adam Wainwright, first game back. You looked at the remarkable start on his birthday. It was Adam Wainwright going the distance, and I thought that was one of the games of the year, not just with the Cardinals, but in baseball. There was a doubleheader against the Cubs, and again, the Cardinals needed a big start. Their bullpen was shot in terms of just needing arms, and Adam Wainwright nearly went the distance in that game. Went into the seventh inning. He was awesome this year, and uh, I hope to see him back and finish his career as a Cardinal. Want to see him finish it with Yachty, so hopefully we'll get into that in a bunch of times topics with adam wainwright and broadcasting too i think at some point he could be in the booth with me i don't know when that may happen hopefully later rather than sooner because i think they need adam wainwright to be pitching next year and until they maybe pull that uniform off him and say adam that's enough you can't do it anymore i think he still pitches so we'll get into that with adam wainwright okay it's game six tonight of the world series And it got me thinking that there are times that game six can be more dramatic than a game seven. There are times when it's more dramatic than a game seven. It's a team, always one of them, facing elimination. There's drama. There are moments that we will never forget. So I went back and took a look at the top game sixes over the past 50 years. And this is fun. I mean, there's a bunch of these games that I went back and looked at that could have been on this list. But I went with what I thought were my top five. And if I um, missed one, maybe you can text me or if you have a personal favorite, throw it on in there. I'll include it maybe later in the show. And I'm sure you can probably guess number one. We're in St. Louis. I get it. And by the way, it is number one. It's probably the best baseball game maybe in history. So we start with number five. and We'll get to number one. There have only been two walk-off home runs to win the World Series. Bill Mazeroski in 1960 and then in 1993. Blue Jays were trailing 6-5 to five in the bottom of the ninth to the Phillies and then Joe Carter stepped to the plate. Joe has had his moments. Two balls and two strikes on it. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions as Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning, and the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Back-to-back World Series champs for the Blue Jays. Joe Carter goes down in history. Number four, October 26, 1991. 
really one of the great World Series ever between the Braves and the Twins. And this is the day before Minnesota's Jack Morris had outdueled John Smoltz to win the series. Kirby Puckett sent everybody home at the Metrodome that night against Charlie Lebrand. He's to the line and the left-hander delivers. Puckett swings and hits a blast. Deep left center, way back, way back. The Twins go to the seventh game. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett. And the Twins have won this game. Four to three on a dramatic home run by Kirby Puckett. He's just now getting to the plate. And he touched it amidst all his teammates. And the Twins win the game. And we will see you tomorrow night. That was the call on television from the great Jack Buck. Number three, October 21st, 1975. Facing elimination, Boston rallied from a 6-3 deficit at Fenway Park and gave us one of the great scenes in television sports history. More on that in a moment. Carbo one time, the number one draft choice of the Cincinnati Reds. You heard it before, but that's the irony of this game. Deep center field, way back, way back. We're tied up. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. We will have a seventh game in this 1975 World Series. Bernie Carbo tied it. He had been a top pick of the Reds. Then he ties it for the Red Sox, Carlton Fisk, Won it in the 12th. The Reds, by the way, win the series. But it's one of the great moments in postseason history because if you remember, and you've seen this highlight time and time again, it stands out because the camera stayed on Carlton Fisk with his reaction. Willing the ball to stay fair. His arms up in the air. It's an incredible sports moment. And apparently there was a a rat or a mouse that had eaten through one of the wires to the camera. So the camera goes out. They stay on Carlton Fisk. And it becomes one of the great moments in sports television history. Just an incredible moment. And that was back in 1975. The Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox, they make my list on the great games Game sixes in World Series sports history, and they come in at number two in heartbreaking fashion. Tension mounts some more. With two out in the tenth. Five-four Red Sox. Ray Knight at first. Kevin Mitchell at third. Two and two to Mookie Wilson. And it's going to go to the backstop. Here comes Mitchell to score the tying run, and Ray Knight is at second base. Can you believe this ball game at Shea? Oh, brother. So the winning run is at second base with two out, three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. The Bill Buckner game. The Mets would win the series in seven And ironically, Mookie Wilson and Bill Buckner would become the best of friends. Mookie Wilson, uh, a couple of years ago, was in the booth with me as I was doing a a broadcast with Preston during a spring training game. So we had a a feed where Preston was uh, working for the Miami Marlins. I'm working for the Cardinals. And we had uh, both feeds taking the game. And so he was the analyst and I was the play-by-play guy. And so Mookie was in the booth. 
just hanging out. And so I asked him about the play, and we, we were talking about that for a long time. And we started talking about Bill Buckner. Those two became best of friends. And they started doing card shows together, and that led to their friendship. And they used to go fishing together all the time, and their families became very close. So because of that awful play for Bill Buckner and a great play for Mookie Wilson, and it's forever in baseball history, those two became the best of friends, which is pretty incredible to see that happen. At number one, no surprise, we take you back game six, 2011, right here in St. Louis. You know, I'm out in the field the inning before, and I, I understand that I'm leading off, so it's kind of like the mentality of just get something going. <clears throat> That's how I've always hit anyways. You know, I'm not – when I try and launch, you know, just ground out the third every time or punch out, so that – I never really figured that one out. But um, – so I work like a 3-0 count maybe, and he threw a high heater when it was a ball. I still think it was a ball. And I was furious just because you, you don't want to lead off the inning, you want to get on base. Um, and then I, I took a real aggressive hack, 3-1, um, and fouled it straight back. And then um, I was just kind of looking to drive something up the middle, line drive on 3-2. And he you know he chose not to throw 100, and he threw a 90-mile-an-hour you know, changeup. And so I got the barrel out on it and, and clipped it. And um, that swing and that pitch was the same swing and pitch that Oswald threw me in that game four it was there were two different pitches it was a oswalt's was a heater but man it um i still know what those feel like like it was it was it was i don't know it was funny to me like because i was like damn that was the same thing that that got me going and i ended up kind of putting the same i finished differently but i put the same swing on it do you know it was gone immediately yeah yeah i mean i you know home park um not that i hit a lot of homers but you just you just know um obviously it was cold so you didn't quite know but i you know i had a pretty good idea um and hamilton the way hamilton was running um you're like all right he thinks this is gone too so i was just like holy cow now now what (laughs) yeah so how um, many times how many times do you think you've seen that that you know, even the, the full game or just the at-bats of the triple and the home run? Honestly, yeah, how many times have you seen I it? don't – you know, I've never seen the full game. Um, I've just never watched – I've never watched really any of the full games of uh, – I will eventually maybe with my kids or, or some buddies or whatever, but um, I can't even count how many times I've seen. I'll, I mean, everybody – like, I mean, Michael Jordan goes go, would go on his – you know, on the computer and watch highlights and dig me sessions and everybody does that. So like, yeah, I'll run, I would run back to 11 and, and just have a confidence build up or, you know, whatever, and, and just look at stuff and those hits go in there. You know, we deal with failure, you know, the whole, the whole season. So, you know, you need those moments. I think you got to lift yourself up in anything you do um, in life. But uh, man, I, I don't know how many times that I've, I've, I've seen those, but it's cool when they pop up on, commercials and stuff and they they throw you in with all the other big hits in the postseason um and then you're wearing a cardinal jersey you know it's just it's just stupid 
what do you remember about rounding the bases or even just getting the shredder was waiting for you, the whole team was waiting for you? What What do you remember about that? Yeah, um, I remember rounding second base. I remember this. Is, people don't believe this, but I, the night before, I went to uh, Me Ranchito and had Mexican when the game got canceled with Ryan Mueller, a buddy of mine. And um, we were talking about Edmonds when he hit the game six homer in NLCS. And, um, and I thought of that after I hit it. Um, probably it was just on my mind and just the correlation between the two. But I thinking about that and then telling myself, look into home plate and remember that, you know, remember the guys that were storming the dish out of the dugout. And I'm glad I like caught that image because that's, I think sliding into third and seeing Okendo and, and looking in the dugout, that's my favorite hit is the triple probably, but the, 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 the personal viewpoint of seeing home plate before third, getting to third base. Yeah, whew, that, that, was, that was cool. That was really cool. Awesome stuff with David Freeze. That was from an interview a couple of months ago I did with David. David down in uh, Texas, <clears throat> but reliving game six of 2011. 515 says, sorry, Danny Mac, got to add 1985. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. It was on my original list. I couldn't do it. But thank you for uh, chiming in. 618 says Mitch Williams and Joe Carter became friends, too. I did not know that. Hopefully you enjoyed the list. That's the top five game sixes I came up with from the last uh, 50 years. Coming up next, we will visit with one Adam Wainwright. Got to tell you about my new favorite NFL bet this season, playing same-game parlays on FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook. Most fun I've had betting. Pretty simple. All you have to do is combine multiple bets from one game into a single game parlay. This way, the payouts are even bigger uh, bigger when you win. What's cool, too, FanDuel refunds the same game parlay you lose on any NFL game each week up to $10. That means you can bet a different parlay risk-free every NFL week all season long. You like the picks? Go ahead and bet them. You'll get 10 bucks back if you don't win. Now, there's one catch. FanDuel, the only sportsbook app that has same game parlay bets. Now, you may have heard that Illinois is requiring new users to create their accounts in person, but for a limited time, that requirement has been waived. So act fast to sign up right from the FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook app before it's too late. If you don't already have a FanDuel account, just use the promo code WXOS. WXOS, the FanDuel Paradise Sportsbook promo code WXOS. 21 and older, present in Illinois and Indiana. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund, $10. Terms apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. The 0-2 pitch. Fly ball. Left field. Carlson over. He has it. Wainwright. His 39th birthday. He goes the distance. 23rd complete game of his career. Absolutely remarkable and a hug from Yadier Molina. What a performance from the 39-year-old Adam Wainwright. Incredible. It was a tremendous season for Adam Wainwright of the St. Louis Cardinals. And it's the offseason now, so we'll jump into what he's doing with 
a big league impact, and he's always doing something to keep himself busy, whether it's with his family, his kids, uh, what's happening in the offseason. But it's always great to catch up uh, with one of our favorites, and that's Adam Wainwright. Adam, great to hear your voice. Hopefully everybody's safe and healthy, and, uh, and you're doing well. How are things going? They're going really great, Danny. Thank you for having me on. It's uh, good to be home in South Georgia. The, the weather, I don't, I don't know what it's like up there in, in St. Louis, but it is about 75 here. Um, just beautiful South Georgia weather and, uh, my girls are back in school a little bit. So, uh, I'm out of the bubble for the most part. It's, it's, uh, it's been a good, it's been a, a fun time to get out of the house, and move around a little bit. Yeah. You know, you guys were, were kind of stuck in the bubble, so to speak a little bit with, with baseball, not quite what's going on in the off season with these guys, but you were for a little bit as you've had a time now to kind of take, uh, a reflection, a deep breath, look back at 2020. I, I thought your season was remarkable, Adam. You're to be commended. Um, what what comes to mind when you think about what the season was like for you personally and, and for the Cardinals? Well, for me personally, so I, I know I have to be um, conscientious of uh, the rest of the world and the struggles that's going on and people getting really sick. Uh, a lot of people have died from COVID, and and so it's been a rough time. I, I want to first acknowledge that, but uh, second, just from a personal standpoint, from myself alone, being able to be at home with my family with nowhere to go uh, was an incredible bonding time for us. We spent, you know, so many nights at home with dinners in a row and waking up breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And not, I mean, you know, my throne partner was the net beside the yard. My gym, my, my my gym became the basement. I worked out, did the best we could in the basement. Um, there's no fall sports or anything for the girls to, or no uh, summer sports for the girls to get into, or spring sports for the girls to get into. Everybody was at home, so we had to figure out ways to keep each other entertained. You know, we were swimming and we were playing board games and um, watching movies. I watched the whole Marvel series with the girls over that time and. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they're just they're, we're we're going as as Marvel characters for Halloween this year. I mean, it's just uh, the time that I got to spend with my family is something I've never had a chance to do. You know, just never. Um, when when we come home for the off season, they go to school and and that's great. We love school. I mean, that's that's incredible time uh, for Jenny and I to just. Get, this is the first time Jenny and I in, in fourteen years have not had a baby at home. Even my two year old son, he goes to. He goes to school too. So um, the season was was trying at times for sure. I mean, especially the week in the Fister Hotel that that provided some. That's the second thing that comes to mind is that week in the Fister. But all in all, uh, a, a tremendous blessing to look back and know that we played. We did what we had to do to to play to to bring some enjoyment to our great fans and to ourselves. Um, but also just. That time of that three or four months, that was incredible for me and my family. It yeah. really was. It was, uh, it was time that we, we may never get that time ever again. And so I'm trying to look at things like that. When you look back on, on just being able to compete again, uh, Mike Schilt was with me last week, and he said, man, we were, we were close to getting shut down. And then you, the, you all of a sudden you get the chance to play. Did it feel like almost not little league again, but it, was it just fun to just be back out on the field again? Remind you of why you love the game so much? Absolutely, yeah. When we were, what was it, seventeen days? We didn't play. We were 
we were in that Custer hotel for seven of those. We were not able to leave the house after that. Um, and, and I really do believe we were probably only one or two more COVID cases from being shut down, uh, probably for good. I mean, just to, to make it fair for everyone. Um, when I look back at that, I, I realize how close we came to not being able to play. I realize, I remember the guys when we left the hotel, they were so glad that they got to leave. But, but then the, I heard several people, I can remember distinctly Harrison Bader saying, I cannot wait to play baseball. Yeah. It was, it was such a good reminder that we are big league baseball players of, of all jobs in the world. We have, uh, you know, obviously one of the greatest. Uh, and so sometimes I think anybody, uh, when they're kind of immersed into that world for too long, they, they lose track of what's special and what's great about what they do and getting, getting it taken from you, as I know personally firsthand from having injuries over the years, getting it taken from you at times can be a real refresher on how great and how wonderful the game actually is. I I was looking, um, I did a, um, a meeting yesterday with the Cardinals Hall of Fame, and they asked me about my favorite moments of the season. And I said, well, one of my favorites was watching Adam Wainwright pitch his complete game on Yachty's 2000th game behind the plate. Um, that was amazing. And you guys whip out the mask out of your back pocket. And I said, I don't know how they remembered to have their masks that day. I said, Adam turns 39 that day, and the Cardinals' bullpen was done. I mean, there was there was not a, a lot of guys that could comb their hair that morning. So take me back to that weekend and, and just how special that game was for you as you reflect on some of the moments that you've had in your career. Yeah, that was uh, that was a top five moment for me probably. Um, and it just got greater because before before going to that game, I did not know that was Yachty's 2000th game. So uh, after the fact, that made it that much special for me that we could make that day you know, special for both of us in a way that we'll never forget. Neither one of us will ever forget that moment. Um, you know, I remember, so during that time, we we were uh, the starting pitchers who, who were not pitching. We would get sent home uh, just to limit the amount of people at the field. So, you know, we'd come to the field earlier. We would get our work in. We would do our training room stuff. We would throw in the field, and then they would say, all right, get the heck out of here so that, you know, we can stay safe and everybody can stay socially distanced and whatnot. So I remember watching that game at home and uh, a couple days in a row, our starter had come out early and, and I was sitting right next to Jenny and right next to my girls. And I was chart of the pitches and going over the hitters. And, and uh, it just came over me about halfway through that game. I said, I looked right at Jenny and I said, Jenny, I got to pitch nine tomorrow. And she goes, well, don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. I said, no, no, I'm serious. Not only do I have to, I'm going to. Like, it's going to happen. And she's like, well, I'm great. I mean, you know, that's great. You know, I'm glad you're thinking positive. Um, don't you always try to pitch nine? I go, yeah. I, I always, <laughs> I always start, start out thinking I'm going to pitch nine, but tomorrow is especially important. And she knew that, and I knew that. And, and the kids, they said, well, Daddy, wh- why do you have to pitch nine tomorrow? So then I got to walk them through, like, you know, the, the pitch usage of the bullpen guys had been just kind of piling up. And, you know, we had a bunch of double headers ahead of us still. And, you know, it wasn't just about what it, what had been behind us and how many games we'd kind of played in a row, but it was about how many games we were going to have coming up and the double headers that were, were still looming. So I knew that I had to put out a good effort. I knew I had to, to 
to take the ball and, and not give it back. And, and so I text Schilte as soon as the last out was made, I text Schilte and I said, I got it tomorrow, whatever you need, I got it. And, uh, I got to the field the next day and, and he just gave me a fist, like a the fist bump emoji or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, and I got to the field the next day, and I told Mad Dog, I said, don't even think about looking down to that bullpen until I'm at least at 120. Don't even think about it. Because in my mind, Danny, obviously, uh, honestly, I, I I was thinking, if it's 150, great. If it's 200, great. And if if I throw 195 pitches, where I'm at in my, my stage of my career, Danny, if I threw 195 pitches and blew out on the 195th pitch, I could I could leave my glove right there on the field and my spikes and walk off with my head held high and know that I did what I needed to do to help that team win. Sure. And that's, and that's, that's where it is with me. You know, the same thing, the same conversation came up in the postseason the week, the year before, um, when, uh, we went into pitch game, game four in Washington, we were down three, nothing. I'd pitched days before. And, uh, Mad Dog and me and a couple other pitchers, we're in the room before the game. And I just said, Hey, mad dog, these other guys, they're not worth risking. You know, don't even think, don't even think about it. Like he, he didn't want to pitch Jack on short rest. He didn't want to pitch all these guys on short rest because their futures were, were too important to the Cardinals and to themselves and to their own livelihoods. I said, mad dog, I just put it real plain. If I go out there and I blow out because I pitched two days ago, but I help our team get through this game. I won't have one single regret about it. It'll be all worth it to me. And that's how I want to go out. I'm not blowing out necessarily, but I want to go out knowing that I did everything I could to help the team win. Well, and he looked and he looked at me and he said, you know, you're right. He goes, you are in a different situation than these other guys. Yeah. And I, I am. And I appreciate that. And I, you know, I, I like to, I like to have that honest conversation, but I want you to know where I'm coming from is, at this point in my career, it's whatever this team needs me to do to help them win is what I want to do. I couldn't imagine uh, a better day than seeing it with, with Yachty. It just wouldn't look right with another catcher behind the plate. You know, how important is it to, to you, Adam, to be, to be with Yachty going forward? Is that something that you guys think about or talk about at all? Yes. So uh, we were – we were sitting on the bus next to each other last year and we got our masks on and you know, we're a whole row apart or whatever. And I just look over and I said, what's going to happen next year? <laughs> and because I just got done with a post game interview and, and everybody was asking me like, Hey, you're going to play next year, this and that. And I, and I, and I just, I tried not to think about it, you know, but it was on my brain and I just looked over and I just, I looked, I realized, I said, I just realized in my head, this guy's a free agent. I'm a free agent. We've been here since, you know, the Vietnam war basically. And what's going to happen. So I look over and I ask, he goes, Yachty, you're a free agent, right? He goes, yeah. I go, I'm a free agent too. He goes, yep. I go, what's going to happen? He goes, I have no idea. He goes, I, I don't know, bro. I said, I don't know either. Uh, it was just, uh, it was just a, a realization that, you know, life moves on. The game moves on. Baseball moves on. The Cardinals move on, but um, hopefully they don't move on yet. So I, I, I said, Hey, what are we going to do though? Like, what are you and I going to do? He goes, I don't know. Well, let's go somewhere together. I said, I agree. Let's go somewhere together. So 
we'll see, man. I don't know. Uh, neither one of us wants to leave St. Louis. We all want to, we both want to be there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I know that times are weird. COVID's, you know, and the payroll flexibility is, is probably not what Mo wishes it was, but we'll see. I don't know. My, my, my man Yachty, though, is a special part of my life, uh, more than just baseball. So I was, I've been blessed to be his teammate this long. Hopefully it keeps going. Adam, if you don't mind, uh, stay with me through the break. I want to talk a little broadcasting and what you're doing at uh, Big League Impact and also kind of a, a look ahead, too, uh, to next season. So Adam Wainwright is my guest. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Let's continue our conversation with the Cardinals, Adam Wainwright, who's been kind enough to hold on through the break. We'll get into big league impact and some of the things that are happening there off the field and during this offseason. One of the things, though, that, Adam, you did right off the bat during this offseason was you were able to get behind the mic and be an actual analyst. It's not like, though, that you are retired from the game. You're, an, you're, you're still playing and trying to to analyze the game. And and that's difficult because you could be facing these guys next year. And by the way, you did a fabulous job on those games. So in a general sense, uh, what was that like analyzing uh, the game and, and working in the booth? Well, it's interesting when, you know, when, when I get put on the spot to answer questions like who's going to win this series and who's going to win that series. Uh, and like you said, when I'm still in the game, uh, I wanted to have very vocal opinions about who I thought was going to win, but I'm like, well, I'm going to have to face these guys next year. I got to be smart. <laughs> about how I but, right. So, um, the other part of that is being in the game as when you're analyzing things, you know, that those guys are listening. Uh, so I got comments from Braves guys and Padres guys and, and, uh, Marlins guys after the game were like, Hey, thanks for, you know, you did a good job, whatever. But you know, had I said something that was kind of controversial about any of them, then I'm going to have to wear that the whole rest of the year. So I, uh, it is, it is a little bit harder when you're in the game, honestly, to give your full, your full opinion. But at the end of the day, uh, two of my favorite things in the world, baseball and talking about baseball and teaching baseball, those are, those are two of my favorite things in the world. And so sitting up watching a baseball game and talking about it, I feel like that, you know, could be potentially my wheelhouse. So uh, I had a great time with it. It was a fun, it was a fun experience to to see what goes on behind the scenes and how much production it actually takes to to put on a baseball game. It's it's more to bring it to the fans um, at a high level. It's more than just the product that's out there on the field, isn't it, Danny? You know that better oh, than yeah. anybody. Oh yeah. It was uh, it was neat to it was neat to kind of have the pressure of like, all right we're going to do this uh, open real quick and, and uh, just talk about the Marlins starter. And I'm like, great. What's an open, you know, I had no idea what anything was uh, at all. Pretty much I, my experience of being in the booth was being up there with you for, I've probably been up there three or four times for an inning at a piece, or maybe two innings at a time, you know, or talking in game to ESPN or MLB or Fox, you know, in one of those in game interviews. So uh, I knew that, that I was going to enjoy it. Um, honestly, but I, I did not know um, squat about the the process of all of it going into it. So it was a really fun time. I, I can't tell you how nice Fox was to me. Uh, they took great care of me. Adam Amen, the 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 lead, just did a great job, kind of walking me through everything. AJ Przinsky was a great partner. He helped me out immensely, also. So 
I don't know. I thought AJ and I worked well together, just the old pitcher and catcher combo up there talking. So we had a great time. In terms of a couple questions, and I'll let you go. In terms of coaching, a lot of people say, man, Adam's like a coach right now. But did we find out with COVID, with batting practice and fielding and side sessions and all these things that a coach is a part of with the player? You know, guys, as you know, Wayno, I mean, Mike, we'd be on the road and I'd be going out to, to go run or do something and play golf or whatever. And the coaches are, are leaving at like 10 o'clock in the morning to go to the yep. ballpark. Are we finding out that maybe we don't need to, to get to the ballpark at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning? I sure hope so. I, I remember, to your point, I remember I was walking uh, some of our, our great donors for Big League Impact through the clubhouse on our fantasy football draft two years ago, and it was 10.30 in the morning for a home 7-15 game, a home game, 7-15. And when I, when I had the guys in there, I walked them through. I was going to show them the coach's room, the, the video room, the locker room, all that kind of stuff. And as we're doing the tour, one of our coaches is in full uniform in the coach's room setting up the day's schedule. Full uniform at 10.30 in the morning for wow. a 7, 7.15 game. I, you know, it's just uh, – I think our coaches around the game – realize that they have a great responsibility to to their team to their organization to their fans to be the most prepared that they can possibly be and so i appreciate that work but i think we found out to your point i think we found out during this time that players and coaches alike are at the field too long uh we just you know you just don't need to be there at at one o'clock for a seven o'clock game every day now there's days you do you got to go in there and get some extra stuff done but most of the time what ends up happening is when, you know, so many of our young players, especially, which I, I appreciate to some extent, but so many of our players, young players or bullpen guys, they go in there, you know, they're, they're going to pitch one inning at some point during the game. They get there at one o'clock, they get a little brief workout in, they get some running in or whatever. And then they sit down until four. And then we go out and we do BP and then they come and sit down for two more hours. And so it's just a lot of sitting around, wasting time this, this year at home for me. I mean, I'm an older player. I, I, I can't lift as heavy as I used to, but I did all my lifting and working out and running at home. Well, not running so much, but lifting and, and working out and, and did this big stretching program. Man, I'll tell you, there was games where we had late buses on, you know, double header days where it was like a 12, 15 game or something. But I was pitching where I'd show up one hour before the game. I mean, that's like, you know, high school minor league stuff. And we, we hadn't done that in so long. It was, it was really refreshing. I don't know how shelf life stable that is. Like, I don't know how long that'll last. But I'll tell you, our guys were refreshed many times by having those later report times, especially with all the doubleheaders we had. We had to be there later. You just cannot be at the field all day, every day you know, you're just going to burn yourself out. So I, I really hope that we make some adjustments going forward and realize that we might have been overthinking things a little bit. There's no doubt. And you're doing, this is the most important part of this visit, you're doing such great work in so many different communities and different places outside the United States, which we've talked about a lot. But Big League Impact is doing a lot in the off season, in seasons, but really important work with the inner city. And I, I want you to get into that if you can, Adam, and, and tell us how we can get involved in, in what you're doing. Yeah, I think, you know, this last year, 2020 has just been a real piece of work, hasn't it? So uh, there was a lot of social justice stuff that was going on. And, and 
it just drove our country into more of a divisive state, right? We have people who, um, uh, who look at the police as being completely terrible. We have people who look at the inner cities as being completely terrible. We have people wanting to, uh, protest the police. We have people who are wanting to stand up for the police and, and everybody's politicizing everything, right? Like, COVID is being politicized. I can't stand that. That just drives me crazy. It's not, I had a friend tell me the other day, yeah, as soon as the election's over, COVID will leave. I'm like, no, dude, this is a real thing. I had 17 teammates that actually came up with this illness and people who had to go to the hospital and there's people dying from it. They're like, yeah, it'll watch. It'll go away after the election. I'm like, dude, no, it won't. Stop politicizing COVID and stop politicizing every, every single thing in this country right now has a chance to be divisive. So uh, big league impact. We're just trying to we're trying to beat that system, right? We're trying to figure out a way, and this this was really on Paul Goldschmidt's heart too. Is is coming together and bringing the community together. So how can we, as an organization, get together with police, get together with with inner city, bring those people together, and and go out into the world to to be a team, to get things done, to to interact like they're supposed to interact. And, and, you know, if you went around and asked cops if they like dirty cops, they're going to say no. And 90, 98% of cops are great. 99% probably are awesome people. And I have so many friends who are in the police, uh, police force that I just, it's hard for me to, to hear the hate coming down on the police. Right. But so I also have uh, in my hometown this year, Brunswick, Georgia, that's where Ahmaud Arbery was killed. And that was clearly a, a racial deal. It really was. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to offend anybody out here listening, but it, it was a, it, you know, being from South Georgia, there's still some racial things going on in this world. If you don't believe racism is still alive, then you need to pay attention more. So what we're trying to do at Big League Impact is bring the community together, bring uh, police and community together, inner city community together to just be a team. And so we're trying to put some programs together in place right now. We're working with a couple of incredible organizations in St. Louis that are doing just that. And we're going to see what happens over the next few months. But I just have a heart for everybody, right? I, I, I don't like uh, when any side is being, um, is being picked on unfairly. And I just think there's a lot of unfair uh, discrimination going on of all sides. You know, I have my, my best friend in the world, Glenn Jones, uh, growing up, is a lawyer in town. He's, he's dealt with a lot of this stuff on a socially, uh, socially over the years. It's, it's really become really close to his heart, but his, he's got, his dad was in law enforcement. His mom was in law enforcement. His brother is a police officer right now. So he's like caught in the middle of all this. And so we had such a great discussion. He's like, man, there's just gotta be a way to bring everybody together because, because the police officers, what they want to do is they want to see the inner cities thrive. And the inner cities, they want to thrive themselves and they want to see police officers go out and, and help them in ways that they can't be helped and keep them safe and 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 do things they're supposed to do. So, I mean, it's just that there's there's ways that that we can do that. We just have to be creative and think outside the box and work with these great organizations in St. Louis that are doing just that. So that's one of the things we're doing. Um, but it's on my heart. It's on Goldie's heart. Goldie, you know, during this whole process, we're just like, man, you know what? we are privileged sometimes and we need to, we need to have a heart for people and, and in a biblical state, in a biblical sense, as a Christian, as a Christian man, 
you know, I have to have a heart for my fellow, my fellow brother, for my neighbor and, and whoever that is, you know, so um, we're, that's what we're trying to do. I hope that answers your question. I don't know. I, I just, I got a lot of love, Danny, and I'm trying to show it to as many people as I can. I know that firsthand, believe me, uh, big league impact.org, big league impact.org. And do you have any events or anything that uh, folks are, can get, I'm sure some of it's virtual. I know that for a fact, but are there things that people can do to get involved? Oh yeah. So Right now, we've got a couple of big fantasy football leagues going on. One, we have a, a players-only league. We have 32 players around Major League Baseball, almost every team represented. Um, and uh, all those guys picked a charity. They all put $5,000 into the pot, and we're playing an NCAA bracket-style tournament to see who's the overall champ in like a DraftKings fan, uh, daily fantasy format. Um, we're doing that with fans also, but there's 32 different charities. Uh, well, that might not be true because me and a couple other guys have picked big league impact. So I think there's like probably upper twenties amount of charities around the nation being represented by big league impact right now. And the players uh, playing each week for their charity. And each week they go farther, uh, more money is raised for their charity. The, the overall winner is going to win $50,000 for their charity. So um, we're doing some cool things like that. We're doing some other great things with, uh, with uh, with with just some, some fan leagues in there, playing with some players. We have uh, fan leagues in New York City and and St. Louis and in Texas. And uh, anybody can get involved with any of the work we're doing at Big League Impact. We've we've fed millions of people this year through Big League Impact um, around the country. We've fed hundreds of thousands of people uh, through feeding programs with Crisis Aid and 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 um, a couple other great organizations in St. Louis. Uh, Food for the Hungry um, uh, in abroad. We've done water mission programs. So we're doing all kinds of things uh, that people can get invested in and, and help us go along. There's a donate now button or there's a contact uh, button. You can they click on there and say, all right, I just want to help. I don't have any money to help, but I want to help. And I don't know how to do that. So we'll help you do that too. So <laughs> there's lots of different things you can do. I'm giving you long answers, I know, but there's lots of things you can do on bigleagueimpact.org. Uh, just to see what we're doing around the country. You're the best, my man. Thanks for doing this, Adam. Have a great off season and uh, good luck on Halloween. That'll be uh, quite the crew you got. Yeah, man. I'm going as uh, who am I? I'm Captain America. So. <laughs> that fits perfectly. You would you would fit right in in St. Louis. Believe me. <laughs> I'm going to be Captain America. My little man is he's going to be Hulk. So that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Thanks for everything you're doing, Adam. Appreciate you. Okay. Thanks, Danny. Just an awesome guy, and that's Adam Wainwright, and many, many thanks to him for uh, coming on the show today. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Awesome stuff there with Adam Wainwright. Thank him very much for coming on the show. A reminder, Ribs and BK, they're coming up next. Scotty, great job. We'll get to some of those texts tomorrow uh, concerning the interview with Adam Wainwright and much more to come. Brian Walton will be my guest tomorrow, and we'll see if we have a Game 7 in the World Series. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.